great and mighty God. What an honor and a privilege, Lord, to stand here tonight before the purchased possession of thy blood, Lord. What grace you've given and imparted to us, Lord, those who are so unworthy, but yet you've extended such measureless and matchless, amazing grace, Lord. How wonderful you are. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for the strength to overcome all of our tests and trials. We thank you, Lord, for knowing that you're right there with us in each one of them. Even in the times that we don't feel you, Lord, you promise you never leave us or forsake us. It doesn't matter what we feel about it or what we think about it. Your word stands true. Most of the times, the reason why we don't go by feeling, because Satan can impersonate a feeling, but he can't impersonate your word. And your word will never pass away and never change. So no matter how we feel, you're right there in us, you promise. Not just with us, but in us. This is what your word says. We stand here tonight, Lord, not ordinary people, not just an ordinary service, but we've come to have an audience to to gain a a chance to bring our requests before you, Lord. We have needs. We need a closer walk. We've got answers. We we need answers to the different things that we're looking at as far as your word that just keeps stepping us higher and higher as you lay out your revelation and understanding so that we can see you so very clearly, Lord, that, that our faith would be increased to such a such a crescendo and such a moment that one day we will be changed so completely changed not just a portion not just in part but gone from this world Lord this is our prize this is that reward that laid up for us by you Lord we gladly accept it and receive it we pray you give us strength Lord and help us to overcome to, to, to stand against all the wiles of the enemy and to press toward that mark with all that's within us. We love you tonight. We pray you would help us. Give us grace, Lord, as we speak to your people. Lord, if I were to say something wrong, Lord, stop my mouth, stop my lips. But anything that wouldn't be said, Lord, it, I want it to be you and I want you to take it and place it exactly where each one of us need it tonight. And that it might help your people and it might help me and might lift us up higher and higher in you. We love you with our whole hearts. We surrender all that we are to you tonight. Satan, I come against you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are defeated. I curse you and I bind you. You have no place here tonight. You are not welcome. And it's happy for me to say that you were defeated by my Lord and Savior at Calvary. You are nothing but a bluff. Just a con man. You have no power. You have no authority. It's been given to us, and we are happy to prove it to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy in this place. And at the end of this service, after your word has come forth, after you've changed us a little more into your image from glory to glory, and your word has found good ground, we'll be sure, Lord, to say thank you for being so good to your people and keeping your word and your precious and lovely name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. While you're standing, if you'll turn to the book of Romans. Chapter 6. I want to read chapter 6, verse 20 through verse 23 while we're standing. This will be part 3 of changed in our atoms 
We ended last Wednesday night with that, that account there in Exodus as, as God was showing them a foretaste. You can call it that because he's the only one that can create. He's the only one that does not pervert or deform. He took the water and he turned it to blood. He took a healthy man's hand. He turned it to leprosy and then he turned it back to healthy. He took all that stick and he turned it into a serpent. Then he brought it back into a stick that later would bud and bring forth almonds. This is our creator. This is the one that's made you your promise. Chapter 6, verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Free from it. Can you imagine such? You were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You may be seated tonight. Now we've read the scripture as, the, as King James, as it was translated now, you, we understand that what sin is, sin is not drinking, it's not smoking, it's not lying, it's those things, those are attributes of sin. The reason you would do that is because you don't believe God's watching. You don't believe God will, will, will punish you for making a mistake. You don't believe God, you think you can sneak something over on that, That's what sin is. You don't truly believe. It, it's unbelief. That's what sin is, is unbelief. You understand that. Our prophet made that very clear. It's not just a blunt shotgun statement of what sin is, but it breaks it down. It lets you get a real good understanding because Satan has no problem with you being in one ditch or the other as long as you're not on the right path. That's right. If he can't keep you off a promise of God, he's happy to push you over the edge with that promise of God to where you'll pervert it, deform it, or become a reproach to it. So when you understand what sin actually is, and it's obvious and easy to say that, yeah, I, I can see that, that when I was in that mode, when I wasn't living my life for Christ, when I wasn't doing my very best to die daily, when I wasn't uh, you know, surrendering and submitting all that I am to the mighty and holy hand of this God that we serve, that you can easily say there was no fruit of life there, it was only fruit of death. Only death, because in them, if, there's, if, the, if the eye is single and that eye is full of light, the whole body will be full of light. But when that eye is darkness, that whole body is full of darkness. And the Bible says how great that darkness is. So that's obvious. We can understand that. There'd be no fruit unto life. It'd be only fruit unto death. So even in those things, when you're living your life that way, you think you're doing good. You think you're saying something good. You think you're encouraging someone. You think you're trying to live a standard or a certain way, but your heart's not really surrendered to the Lord Jesus that the fruit of that is death as well even though you're trying to put 98% life with it you understand what I'm saying it's still a perversion because if you're not sold out to it you're not worthy of the cause of Christ you're not worthy of it so let me carry on sin is unbelief so you're free from righteousness when you have your unbelief, when you don't believe. And we made that statement, I think, Wednesday night, that the bride of this day, maybe it was the previous Sunday, that the bride of this day will have such a super faith to make her a super people, a super bride, a super being that can believe all of God's word and perform the supernatural. This won't be just a measure of faith. Will he find faith upon the earth will return? Yes and no. You have been given a measure of faith, but he also brought a much higher faith that picks you up higher in him. 
So this unbelief, this sin that, that, that sets you, that, that will trip you up and that will keep you from walking the right path, there's no fruit in it. You understand that the, the fruit of it is only death, that the only thing that results from that unbelief is death. That's, that's all you're going to get from unbelief is death. Everybody still staying with me. I'm trying to be just as, thank you, brother, as being just as simple and as slow in this as I possibly can. The unbelief is death to, again, faith or fear. Faith, perfect love, cast out fear. Love is the key to faith. It operates that law of faith is that perfect love. You don't get that perfect love without the perfect love of God being in you. You don't just get the perfect love of God being you without the perfect person of the Lord Jesus Christ being there to emanate it from all around, all that you are. So, as you understand that it's casting out all fear, fear is an anti, it's an enemy of faith. Fear is an enemy of faith. God moves upon you and God speaks directly to you. And God, just as verbatim, and maybe you'd be questioning in that moment, is that God, is that my subconscious, is that what I want, is that just something that I'm trying to portray or emit or just push out there, is it really God or is it not, and you're in that moment, is he speaking to me, because God will speak to you. God will speak to you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to have a conversation. He wants to have a relationship. God wants communion with his wife. Now, you don't have a very good relationship if you and your wife don't talk but once a week, once a month. It's not a good relationship. It's meant to be, I love you, and he loves me, and you let you know that, and you let him know that, and you do that in through taking time to say, Lord, I've set aside this time, I've separated this part, this is between me and you, this is, this is just a part of my works, of my love, of my faith in you, because I know you're real, check, I believe God is real, I know that you're, you're in uh, caring about every second of my life, check, not only do you care about that you're real and you care about every second of my life, but you love me and you want to speak with me, not just to me, but with me, he's not looking for just a sounding board and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, no, he wants you to speak back, what will she say? What will she say? Now, a lot of the fruit in your life and in my life has not been good things to say. There have been many things in my life that my lip, my tongue took control from, a, from an unbelief, from a sin, from a whatever you want to call it, from a grudge, from an offense, and I did not speak life. I, in fact, spoke death. Heard a brother say today, it was, uh, I don't know where he was preaching at, but I think it was back in August, over, somewhere overseas, and he was talking about, and James will say it like this, that the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire, absolutely a fire. And by that tongue, it'll subvert whole households. It'll sink a whole household. And this brother was talking about, you know, the prophet taught us that when you say something about somebody, if you're trying to, uh, if you're, what you're saying is a negative aspect and running down their character, you've been just as good to put a knife in their back. That your tongue effectively put a knife in that person's back. You've spoke those things and you murdered that man's character. That's what the prophet taught us. And this is what the Bible teaches you. You're murdering that person's character by the things that you say. And we're every one of us guilty of this tonight. Not one of us are perfect or exempt of that. Each one of us say, Lord, forgive me for that. Let me not yield my lip, my members, my body to any unrighteousness, sin, or death any longer. Now, well, I liked what the brother said. He said that, that if you were to uh, maybe to extend your tongue out, let someone open your mouth and extend your tongue out, will someone else's blood be on your tongue? From something you've said. Not just blood on your hands, but blood on your tongue. 
See, I really enjoyed what brother what the Lord led Brother Andrew on Sunday, and that was for this assembly. This assembly. And he kept saying, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm sitting back. I know exactly why. I know exactly why. I know exactly why. You think about how that, that it's so easy to get in your flesh and get frustrated and get irritated. You'll say things that, that you don't mean, but your, your mouth took over and you said things you shouldn't have said. That, and it would, it, you know, I, I always go back to uh, Miriam uh, talking to Aaron about her problem with Zephora. That problem that she had with Zephora. She didn't like Zephora, whatever the issue it was. We've given a little bit of a statement about it, but it probably was more than that. And she's complaining about it to Aaron Again, also Moses' brother. And the Bible says this. And this will shock you. If it don't, something's wrong with you. God heard it. Bible says, and God heard it. God heard what was said. God heard what was said. I just said that about unbelief. You don't believe. And this is everyone, every, every, the weight that would have beset most of us. You don't believe that he's uh, in your conversations that he's in your closet, that he's in your bathroom, that he's in your bedroom, that he's on the job, that he's here, that he's there, and you know, even in your conversation, much less in your thoughts. See, the, the prophet of this day was told to tell them that their thoughts speak louder in heaven than their words do on earth. Right. So if under that, blood of bulls and goats, that it come out and said that God heard it, what they said... That uh, coming against well, you know, God's servant, God's prophet, God heard it. What do you think you do about your thoughts? See, we're not called to be, we talked about God winking in ignorance. God, we're not in those days anymore. Each one of us must walk circumspectly. Each one of us must examine ourselves daily. Lord, if I've said something, let me make it right. If I've thought something, let me make it right. And if you don't feel that way, you need to get to praying where you will repent and make it right. I appreciate God's mercy. I'm guilty of all of this. I'm guilty of it, and God's forgave me. I've been able, been able to work it out, and God's forgive you. And it, 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 no, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. God has mercy. And you appreciate his mercy? I appreciate his mercy. The reality of God. You come back to as, as a human. You, you live in this world. You walk in this world. You, you, you have this flesh. You fight this flesh. You war against this flesh. The things that it, it wants to do. The things you don't want to do. The things that take your time. The things that you've yielded to. But that's not what you're meant to be. Uh, if you walk through, I think it's Romans 8, and as far as uh, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And you struggle, and you struggle, and you struggle. All of those things. And even when you, it talks about when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you start to die out to it, which means you have to literally rot to whatever the other thing was. Not just, okay, yeah, I'll die out to it. No, no, you've got to rot to it. Absolutely rot to it. It doesn't matter if it's a thing, if it's an idea, if it's a memory, or if it's a doctrine. You've got to rot out to it and come into new life with him. Any seed that goes in the ground has to rot to come back forth a new life. This is just basic seedology as far as the way that works. So even in uh, the, the, the seed of unbelief that Satan puts into the earth, that starts in each one of them, if, if each human was given a measure of faith from God, just a basic, uh, just, a, uh, just a, a minute amount of faith, and in that faith you say, I walk over and I flip my light switch on and I know it'll come on. How do you know? Because it always does. That's the way things work. I'll go over there. I know the door's unlocked. I'll push through it. We'll walk out. I'll get in the car. We'll start to go. Baselines of faith. You've also got in your flesh a baseline of doubt. A baseline of doubt, which is fear. 
which is fear. Again, for God to speak to you, that's where I started earlier. If God says for you to do something, for you to say something, for you to think something, or for you to change to something that he's requiring of you, and you know it's God speaking, but you choose not to believe it, or you choose not to do it, or you choose to halfway do it and not fully surrender to it. You still with me? <clears throat> to completely die out to anything contrary to God is a complete death to self. These are basics. These are all just basics of Christianity, basics of walking with God, is to die and rot out to yourself, to your ways, to your thoughts, to your wants, to your feelings, is to rot out to them. And that unbelief is a wall, a barrier between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as it's given in measure, you'll also testify to the more that I give him of myself, the more of him I get. You'll testify, the more I dedicate myself to him, the more of him I get. And you notice, from glory to glory, here a little, there a little, the more I give, the more I get. The more I give, the more I get. So the more of you that dies out to anything that's contrary to him, the more of him that you get. And sin is an absolute unbelieving of, of a living God, of unbelief of serving a living God. And uh, we're working to something, if you'll stay with me. It, it's working to, to tear you off away from eternal life and nothing but the pit of hell. It's working to pull you away from the tree of life to the pit of hell. It's trying to pull you away from the tree of life to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's trying to pull you away from your husband, the one you're created to serve. Now, we shared that with you recently about how that you were designed, and we shared that about your ribs and your hearts and your valves, and, and you would each one understand that. But when it gets back into something that you're struggling with, it's very easy to forget that your very breath was bought by him. It's so easy to forget, well, you know, I, I can do what I want, I can say what I want, yeah, these are just human struggles. Each one of us struggle with these things. Well, I should stop and read my Bible and pray, I should listen to a message, I should fellowship, all these things, but well, I want to do this, and, and I struggle with this too, I, I want to go do this. There's times I don't want to do it, I want to go do this. And that's your flesh, you've got to die out too. I understand, it's a walk, it's a dying out daily. So you understand the fruit of that, that death is a separation between you and him. I don't care where you're at right now in your walk with him. If you start to go that way, it's death between your relationship with him. Now, as you come back to that next verse 22, being made free from sin, which free from unbelief. Let that thought, idea kind of just float around in your mind and let it, let it uh, try to place that you are directed I, I i realize that i have fear here i have things i struggle with here but you're telling me right now because romans will say that the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death Amen. the law of the spirit of life has set you free so in verse 22 now being made free from unbelief Free from unbelief. Can you imagine a walk with God that has zero unbelief in it? Could you imagine an experience that you had zero unbelief in the living God? Whatever his promise said, you'd say, that's mine. Amen. No flinch, no doubt, no wondering, stressing, anxiety, nervousness. Oh, is it for me? Is it, I don't know. I don't, today, next week. No, no, right now. Right now that it's mine. Because I'll say it again. First Corinthians, first Corinthians, 
Second Corinthians, that Paul says that. He says that God's word, these, these promises come to you were not yea and nay, or yes or no, but they were only yes. Well, I don't know if he means yes. He said it's yes. But did he really mean yes? What well, does God lie? Do things God can't do. He can't change. He can't lie. He can't change. He can't lie. Do you believe that tonight? So you think about that. Let, let that. let that saturate you for a moment. Being made free from unbelief. Completely free. We would understand. We could quote that scripture. He that hath a son has been made free. He that hath that life is free indeed. That's been set free by him. You are free indeed. Okay, I can agree with that. I can agree with being free indeed. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not, I've been set free. I've been forgiven. All that's been washed away. But free completely from unbelief. This is a higher statement. You've been made free from unbelief. And become servants to God. You now look at your fruit now. You have your fruit into holiness. Holiness. And the end, that should be translated to eternal life, not everlasting life. There's a difference between eternal life and everlasting life. There's a difference between eternal and everlasting, the way that the Bible will use it. And if you take it back to the Greek, a lot of times it'll go to eternal because it has no beginning, has no end. And you can't have eternal life and have a beginning. It's at one point that it could eventually stop. So you have your fruit into holiness. Well, I can't live this way. I can't do that. He can. The wages of sin, the wages of unbelief is death. But the gift, the gift, the gift, and Romans deals a lot with that word, the gift, and then with the offense. The gift coming to by the first offense. And it'll, if you'll look through that, where, where Adam slipped and fell, Adam made a mistake. Adam, and what Adam's mistake was, was that he took the sin of Eve. Adam himself did not sin. Adam became her sin to save her. Adam was not deceived. The man was not deceived. The woman was deceived. Adam took her sin to keep her from being destroyed. The Bible teaches this. He took her sin to keep her from being destroyed. Don't you love the redemption, the redemptive quality, the redemptive nature of a son of God? Anybody, don't you love that redemptive quality? Because not one of us deserve to be forgiven. Not one of us deserve to be set free. Not one of us deserve someone so perfect and so holy and wonderful to die for me. Not one of us deserve that. Not one of us deserve that. But the gift, this gift that he gives, it's eternal life in. It'll say through, but you realize as you get a grasp of the scripture that it's in him. It's not just, yes, by that blood, by that propitiation, by that intercessory. Yes, it's through what he did, but to get it, you actually got to go into him to get it. You can't just topically say, well, he smeared a little blood on me like the doorpost there all those years ago in Moses' day and just topically smear it on. No, you got to let it get down deep. You got to let like that pitch that he put upon that first ark. You got to, yes, pour upon the flesh, but saturate all the way the inside until it fills up, starts coming back out the outside. That's different than just topical application. Smear a little here, smear a little there. No, complete saturation. And you only get it through a hidden life with Christ. That gift, that misstep, that, uh, to the contrary, the, the misstep or the false step that Adam did, as we share that, what, what Romans is talking about, that you have what were the mistake was made and all that was done, and then you have what God did about it. What God did about it was he knew that would happen. He wasn't taken off guard. He already had a place He already had a way made before the sin ever happened. Sitting, waiting, ready to go. What a a mighty God. What a mighty God. And it would be not just forgiveness. 
Not just, okay, I've been forgiven. Praise the Lord. There's a difference between forgiven and restoration. There's a difference between, okay, I forgive you. You have, you have a husband and a wife. They, they get something happens, something splits up. And, and then eventually after time, because you want them, I do something wrong. Then you say, well, I forgive you. Okay, you have a great life. You live over there, I live over there. We're friends now, but that's all it is. But there's a big difference when you come back together. That's complete restoration. And, and, and Brother Matt read that recently out of Joel and what, what God says there. He has his great army, the palmer and the canker and the locust, the caterpillar, and all that they did. But it was also meant to tear something down, to prune it back, to produce in this age a restored bride tree who's got no spot, who's got no blemish, no wrinkle, or any such thing. Completely restored. Not just forgiven, but he said it's as though you never done it to start with. Praise the Lord. See, that's better than just redemption. Better than just, that's completely restored to everything Adam lost. Everything Adam lost. I, I know a lot of move in the message. You have, a, you have different folks that have different struggles one way or the other. You have your back to Pentecost and, and where you have you know, one slant, then you have another slant. And, and, and I love the Pentecostal blessing. I love what happened there in the, the upper room. All those things, I love those. But you've not been restored to just that. You got pushed way back further than just there in Acts 2. Much, much further. You never heard about Peter or Paul moving a tree or, or stopping a wind or any of those things, right? It was everything Adam lost. A complete restoration. And much better. Much, much better. I tell you all the time, Adam didn't know him as a redeemer. Adam didn't know him as a restorer. Adam didn't know him as a healer. Anybody ever been healed of anything? Didn't you appreciate the move of the Lord in this room here Saturday night, what God did for us? And that's just mercy. Adam didn't know him that way. Adam didn't know what it was like to hurt so bad for so long with no relief, no comfort, and then the Lord just touched you and it's all gone. You know, Adam didn't know him like that. Adam didn't know him in a way that he just, he just, you know, he'd go to bed at night and be eat up and be stressed out and be all worried and don't know what's going to happen, all knotted up to the point where making a tumor. He didn't know him like that as the one that would slip in and be the lifter of his head. Adam didn't know him that way. You do. You're being restored to everything Adam lost, and that's a pretty good gift. Pretty good gift. But again, so much more. We've shared that so much, how that this whole walk, this entire walk of the Lord Jesus is only a testing, proving ground. You're in training for reigning, to, to say it the way Brother Ernie Villanueva used to say it. You're in training for reigning. I understand. How be it, you know that the saints shall judge all things. Shall judge all things. They will sit as judge with him. Now, Coming out of yourself, coming out of all that you were to what you will be. And you understand that it's a process. Not one person here, I hope, thinks that, uh, well, I, I give my heart to God and poof, I raptured away immediately. And it was a poof theory and my clothes hit the floor and, and it's all good now. You understand that each test, each trouble, each trial, that you learned more about him. Right. Amen. Come on. Amen. And you learn more about yourself. Because the prophet would make a statement that God can't take you and push you through a four-inch pipe and pick you up on the other side and go, what a great overcomer, because you ain't overcome nothing. You ain't overcome nothing. You have to be, I love that, Brother Andrew's thought on Sunday was the sufferings to get the glory. You have to go through that test. You have to be burned in those trials to where you step back and all your dross is gone and everything that's not pleasing to him and all that's left. Listen to me now. All that's left is a Christ-like character. Amen. 
all that's left. That's my goal. It's just nothing left but a Christ-like character. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. I love the Word of God. You can, I say this all the time, I just will never say it enough, but I love how you can go from Old Testament to New Testament, the backwards and forwards, and you see the same author everywhere you look. You see what he's saying, and he opens his word up to you, and it's just as beautiful as when it was written, but even more so now because you have eyes of understanding. You can see what he has spoken to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. As we read this, you keep in mind that statement from Christ, the mystery God revealed that when the seals were opened, this Bible became a new book. You keep in mind that statement that if you can't see Christ on every page, every page of the Bible, then you need to go back and read it through again. And you also keep in mind that every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of his wife. So keep all those things in mind as we read this to you in verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, I say praise the Lord, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I laid the foundation, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. See, Paul's leaving room for a progressive revelation. Paul's not saying it's just shall live by faith, nothing else. It's not saying this, now we organize and dominate. No, Paul said, keep building the right way. You get the same vision that God gave me, and you keep walking on with him. You, you, can you see that? The, as God has showed to me, he made that statement of how that, that he was seen by, the, by the, well, those when he was ro- risen from the resurrection. He was seen by those in the upper room. He said, and lastly, he was seen by me. He caught a vision of the same one. He wasn't there on the night of the day in Pentecost. He wasn't there when that rock of revelation statement was made. But he saw him and God revealed himself to him in that same manner. He said that according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that, that is, then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the rock. Everything is built upon. He is your rock of revelation. He is the rock that uh, is a great rock in a weary land. He is your rock. He cannot pass away. If you need water, he still gives water tonight. If you need meat, he still breaks the bread and fish tonight. He is all in all. He's more than sufficient. Amen. Which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation... Now, look at these as he walks through it. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Wood, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Almost seems incomplete if you don't pick up the verse above it. Jesus Christ. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Because for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work or what sort it is. This is the Holy Ghost. This is the proving. This is the comforter. This is the one that brings the revelation and understanding. He's the one that looks it over. The, the building inspector, if you were. 
Okay, this is the way it's built. Now God vindicates. This is the way it's built. Through the revelation of God, now God vindicates. God always vindicates his word. Always, always, always vindicates his word. Amen. Uh, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. The man that built will receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. What was told to Brother Brown, don't eat nor smoke or defile your body in any way for I have a work to do when you get older. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Man, I I just can't do what I want to guess. He said, let no man deceive himself. That's an interesting sentence to follow up what we just said. Let no man deceive himself. No, I can think what I want, do what I want. No, don't deceive yourself. You're bought with a price. Each one of us here tonight is bought with a price. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Well, I don't understand. I thought I was supposed to be really smart. No, the way up is down. Let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The wisdom of this world. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they're vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death. He just said, all things are yours. You catch that? He said, all things are yours. Verse 21, the last four words, all things are yours. Whether it's the world or life or death or things present or things to come. He says it again. All are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. You are Christ's and Christ is God's. Now flip over to chapter 15. Chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, we are preaching on the rapture, on the translation, on the change of this body. And, and we're, 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 we're got to, trying to lay down as much foundation as God allows us. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. By which also you are saved if, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you've believed in vain. So Paul just told you that this gospel that he preached unto you, which you've received, and this is how you're standing, who will abide the day of his coming, who could stand in such uh, such heat and such pressure. He said, by the which also you are saved. Well, now, Paul, we're getting confused here. I thought we only those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are saved. I thought that's what the scripture says. Paul himself says that. But if you're those who call upon the Lord Jesus, name the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved. Yes, because his gospel told you how to do it. You can't just say, I accept the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sit down and be okay. It don't work like that. You've deceived yourself or someone's deceived you. The Bible teaches much more delicately and specific than such, such a statement. Because Satan can say that all day long. You yourself have seen people who have made such a statement and their lives got worse. Nobody? But they claimed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't actually believe. 
Uh, this is how the Holy Ghost comes. That the Holy Ghost looks upon your faith as you surrender and submitted your life to God. And God looks at your faith and says, I agree, I'll come in. You realize that? That if you're sitting here tonight with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God looked at your faith and said, I agree. So do you know you have the Holy Ghost tonight? That should give you pretty good peace. Thank you, Lord. He looked me over. He searched me. He cleansed me. He presented himself. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you believed in vain, which means your time, just like Judas, you believed in vain. Judas was able to cast out devils. He was able to heal the sick. The power of Satan or the house of Belial, but through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he could believe, he could believe in what God said, what Jesus said, things that you've struggled with. Again, I quote it to you all the time Luke 10 19. Behold, I give unto you power over serpents and scorpions. I give unto you power. And there's many times we're struggling. Do I have the power? Do I have the authority? I love that Saturday night where Brother Andrew brought about that element that God put in your hand. I love that. You ought to just type in the message, the element. Just type in the element and see what God says about it. I've got a quote here. If I make it to it, it'll blow, it blow your mind. It's just out of this world what God put in you, if you believe it. So you have someone that's, that's in, in, in the root core, at the root cause of his life. He is not just an unbeliever, posing as a make-believer. You got me? Not just an unbeliever, posing as a make-believer, not just demon-possessed, but he was a demon. Jesus said, you are a devil. He didn't say you're devil-possessed. He said, you are a devil. That's what you are. That's what Jesus said. Those aren't my words. I might have liked Judas. If I didn't have any uh, um, um, discernment, I might have said, pretty good guy. He seems all right. Just don't maybe turn your back on him. Don't get into a situation where he can sell you out. I don't know. But he believed in vain. So if we, and I tell you this all the time, I, I like uh, I, not necessarily looking for this, but in a contract, in a, you can see a lot of things about yourself. You start running through lists of things that you're not. I am not seven foot tall. I am not a different color than white. I do not have a different color than blue eyes. I do not have blonde hair. I do not have this. I do not have this. I do not have this. You know, okay, so if it's not that, 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 the only thing that's left. So if you say that you have someone that you look at Judas and say, I'm not Judas. I do not have a devil. I am not a devil. But that one that in a contrast can believe that promise of God, what's my problem? What's hanging me up? Why am I struggling whether or not I've got power and authority? See, the prophet taught, you'll call for the rapture. You will. Christ the mystery of God revealed, he said, once you get a revelation of who you are and what you are, the rapture will go. You'll call for it. Lord, it's time to go. It's not your words, it's his words in you. It's not you saying, well, I just work myself. No, you know it's him. It won't be you that speaks, it'll be him speaking in you. This is the fulfillment of the word made flesh. Not just one flesh, but many flesh. Again, you're back in that wheelbarrow. <clears throat> for I've delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He's going resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. A rapture is a resurrection. Complete life. Not just a taste, not just a seal, but complete life. He, and he was buried, and again, he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain on this present, but some are falling asleep. He says some of them went by the way of the grave. This is the same speaking as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but some are falling asleep. You read it there too. He's saying some are falling asleep. They're not over there, you know, kicked out in the pew or in their bed. I'm, I'm tired. No, you understand that they're sleeping in the grave. They're not dead. The Bible says there's only one type of death, and that's eternal separation. For a Christian, you can never die. You cannot die. You might leave this world to your next body, but the Bible makes that very clear about your three bodies. The body's very clear about that. You have your terrestrial, you have your spiritual, and you have your heavenly. So, um, the, where are we at? Falling asleep. Verse 7. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I'm the least of the apostles. That I'm not made to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God. All of these things are, are very pertinent. I'm not just reading it to get through the chapter to get what I'm working toward as far as the rapture mystery in chapter 15. I'm telling you about a man that had done such horrible things, had been a murderer, and yet God in his mercy cannot just redeem him, but restore him where God would speak through him. Last of all, he was seen by me from the least of the apostles, verse 10, but by the grace of God, he uses a different way to describe that almost go all the way back to exodus chapter 3 which we read to you last wednesday night he said i am what i am paul's not telling you take me as you take me as i am like it or lump it i just it's just me and you just gotta get over the sticky places paul's not telling you that he said i am the answer to the question that god asked job where were you job before the foundation of the world paul's saying i'm getting a revelation that i was in you I'm getting a revelation of the answer to that question. Where were you, Job, when the sons of God shouted for joy and the morning stars sang? Where were you, Job? He said, I was, and I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. For, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Not in vain. So I'm going to stop right there just a minute. You, there's a song that um, I can't remember if it's the Booth Brothers or it's a Southern Gospel group that says um, that talks about a man that had given his life um, out in, uh, in in a war situation and he had died and you know everybody said they, they kind of knew that he was that kind of a guy he's a good man that he would sacrifice for himself someone else and then this other guy that he died for he comes back home and they're making the statement you know the army must have really whipped you into shape they must have really you know maybe scared you maybe helped you maybe straighten up you know and and he said no i am what i am because someone died for me the reason why i'm alive is because someone died in my place and i know it and i will not let that death be in vain I will not let that death be in vain. I'll give my life. That's what Paul is telling you. I, I won't let it be in vain. I know he died for me and it will not be in vain. His blood, his stripes, his, his, his passion that he shed, I won't let it be in vain. His bride will respond the same way. His bride will respond the same way. It was not in vain. This grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believe. He's showing you now unity amongst the brethren. He's telling you that I have the same Holy Ghost they have. I'm moved by the same Holy Ghost that they're moved by. It's the same one that's speaking through them. It's speaking through me to you. It's a gift of God. We're back to the gift of God again. 
gift given to us. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach or so we, you believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, again, back to resurrection, how say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead? Which one was that? That was uh, Sadducees, they didn't believe the resurrection of the dead. I always get that confused. They did not believe. They're the one that brought that question to him at the resurrection. This one woman had been married to four or five brothers. And he said, you don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. What are your questions? You're just trying to trip me up. But you, it's, it's what he's talking about here. He said, you don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. There's some among you that there is no, say there's no resurrection of the dead. Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, Christ not risen. There's your question. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also in vain. Anything you believe, he said, and we just covered that in that other verse, you believed it in vain. Judas believed it in vain. Are you saying that if you're saying that if these things are not true, that Paul is laying out for you step by step by step by step, the order and the mystery of the rapture, he's telling you it's not in vain. He said, and yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. You understand he's being facetious. He's not saying that he didn't raise. He's not saying he didn't preach. He's saying that if what you're saying is true and that we are wrong, then it's all in vain if the dead not rise. He said, if so be that the dead rise not. If so be that the dead rise not. So we just covered sleeping and dead. We, and we'll get to hopefully 1 Thessalonians 4 about those that sleep will be awoke, will be raised up, called up to meet you at your rapture, at your translation, at your complete change. He said, but they do raise it does raise. You're raised. He said, and if Christ be not raised, then your faith is vain and you're yet in your sin. It means you're still stuck in unbelief. Stuck in unbelief. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They're not sleeping anymore. Now they're gone. They're dead. If Christ can't raise them from the dead. See, that's a rapture too. The first Thessalonians 4, we will, not, we will not hinder, we will not prevent those that are asleep. You know the scripture. We said we will not hinder nor prevent those that are asleep. Paul's telling you, if this, 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 and this is not true, then there's no point because they're dead. They're perished. They won't wake up. Everybody still with me? I know it's a Wednesday night. Everybody still with me? <clears throat> if Christ be not raised. Verse 19, if in this life only, if only in this life, and there's a human struggle right there. Nothing, you know, if I die, there's no consequences. There's no consequences. That's why everybody says what they want until their deathbed. Well, I believe this, and there's no such God. Most people come to that realization real quick as they're leaving this world and going to that world. There's no more bravado and big strong. I don't need someone to tell me what to do, what to say, what to think, and then you stand before it. Y'all big and bad till the king comes down. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Most of all the men, you're the most miserable or pitiable. But now, is Christ risen from the dead? He's showing you now a chronological annal of candle of time. Right now, you understand? Right now, he is risen from the dead. Right now, he's risen. Right now. He said, and become, from the dead, and become, and become the first fruit of them that slept. We share this a lot, that he was the wave chief of that day. The Christ, the body, the sacrifice, your Lord, your Savior, your husband, was the wave chief of that day to prove everything that was prophesied was true. 
and become the first fruits of them that slept. Because he died, he buried, he was resurrected. For since by man came death, again back to Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. He had to be, he says it in one place about being inserted into the lineage of David. He engrafted himself into the lineage of David. And we shared the reason for that, how particular and how much he was impressed with that man, David. He said that, for in Adam all die, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Again, there's the key, in Christ. Not near Christ, not wanting Christ, not thinking about Christ, but you got to get in him. You got to get in him. You got to get into Christ and Christ has to get into you. But every man in his order, man, we're talking about the order of the resurrection, the order of the rapture. Every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. Now you see where we're at. They that are Christ's at his coming is his first, second, or third coming. This is First Thessalonians 4 right here. This is Revelation 10 1. We're, we're, we're talking about this coming, this second coming of Christ. In the order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are, at, that are Christ's at his coming, then cometh the end. Well, he shall be delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and all power. That's Revelation 10.1. One foot upon the sea, one foot, left foot upon the land, right foot upon the sea. He, he, he exercised and proved all dominion, all authority. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. And there's no doubt in you who he is. No doubt in you. Amen. I'm saying it's really quiet out there. So no doubt in you. It's where he say, I, I, I believe him. I believe him. I believe he's got that. I believe that's me. I believe I'm in there. Verse 25, for he must reign. He must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, you, you, obviously at this point, Christ had already died. I, I don't know what the, the chronological order would be if it was 30 years later, um, 40 years, whatever it was, from the actual death to where Paul is writing this letter right now. I don't know the exact chronological time. But you understand that Christ had died at this point. That Christ took, the, as the prophet would say, that bee of death that was you know, just buzzing around him. It, it plunged that stinger into Emmanuel's veins. And if it went in so deep, when it come back out, he lost its stinger. The sting got lost. Paul proved it. Sting, death, where is your sting? He lost that sting. Death did. So you understand that Christ died. So you watch that order. That Christ has died. That last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. He took it unto himself so that you might not have to taste death. You, his wife. He said, because I live, you live also. This is rising in the sun. But the ram said, he's speaking to his wife. Because he lives, you live also. I know it's a lot for a Wednesday night, but because he lives, you live also. I know each one of us go back out in the world and we got to face our tests, our struggles, our trials. We're tired. You've got demons fighting you. i got demons fighting me. I understand that. I understand it's a Wednesday night. It's a midweek service. We're coming off the, the meeting high. I get all of that. But this right here is how you overcome. This right here is how you walk back out into that trial and say, come here. I got your answer. Not cower, not hide, not discouraged, not depressed, not twisting and worrying. Come here. I'll take your head too. Maybe you prefer to go back out. I guess I'll go back out to the beating. 
I'm back. You just took it back to beating on me. You put me back under your feet. Stomp on my head a while. I go back to being defeated. I don't want that. That ain't why I'm here tonight. That ain't why I'm here. I'm here to put my foot on every demon's head. That's why I'm here tonight. This word is nothing but the truth. This word is something Satan's scared to death of. This word is telling you right now where you are in Christ. Right now. That last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, as it was used, Brother Bram taught, I think it's in, um, uh, it's either leadership or, oh my goodness. Um, I can't remember exactly which. It's one of the last five sermons. Brother Bram had taught that, that death is only a chariot that's used to pull you into the presence of God. To leave this world, to leave this call, to pull you right into his presence. See, I always liked that my, Paul would say it, it's more or less in these words nothing but a doorway that leads to that heavenly shore. You have no fear of death. Not if, you've been di- not if you've already died. You've died to yourself. You've died to this world. And you have no fear of death. You know that the next breath. And then your next breath. And now your next breath. And now your next breath. Is bought by him. It's ordained by him. It's ordered by him. Yes. Do you know what it means to be ordered by someone like this one? He said, I give you that one. I give you that one. I give you that one. Ain't nothing Satan can do about it. Amen. He can't take it. He can't pervert it. Ain't nothing he can do about it. God said, I give that to you. He orders the steps of the righteous. Now this death, when it comes up to this time, the fullness of time, the consummation of the ages, he said, no more. No more. You won't taste death. You'll just go. Death is a result of unbelief. It coming into this world through unbelief. She only disbelieved one three-letter word. I'm holding up three fingers. One three-letter word. Thou shalt not surely die. Where God said, thou shalt surely die. She, three words. Most people on this planet believe thou, disbelieve thousands of words. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And, and she only disbelieved one three-letter word. Brought death to all human race. You got to eat the book, John. You got to eat it up. Lord, I might disagree. My body might struggle with that, Lord, but your way is right, and I know you'll bring me into subjection. Lord, if I'm struggling with that, I surrender my life to it, you'll bring me into subjection. Verse 27, For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he said, but when he saith, all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all the things accepted, when it manifests that he is accepted, when he put all things under him, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. This just cleared up the Trinity. This cleared up your two Lord mess. All that stuff right there. It's one person all the time. It's one person. It's not three. It's not two. We, we've, we've struggled with people that believed in three, with those that believed in two. It's one person. And you understand the use, the vehicle of the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand the, the, the God, the Spirit, and all of those things come into. And now you see him fully. Verse 29. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Or, or, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus. Your rejoicing. 
which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, he said, I die daily. And if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. A lie, I love that Brother Andrew was talking about, most people will accept a lie over the truth all day long. They, they can believe that. They can take a negative aspect. They will take something you say of a negative aspect completely into their bosom and all that they are and just they'll build all their world around it and be nothing but a lie. But when it comes to the truth, they're like, that thing's fishy. See, this is what Satan has done. He has made up, look down, down, look up, and he's tried to twist everything that there is to where you won't believe the truth. You can't recognize it when you see it. But the truth is what saved you. Amen. The truth is what saved you. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communications. The company, the corrupts, the people that are around you, they're, they're just spreading those things which are not true. Awake to righteousness and disbelieve no more. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Disbelieve no more. For some have not the knowledge of God. And he said, I speak this to your shame. They were taught wrong. They took the word of life and they watered it down. Took it and watered it down. Now, let's skip down to verse 40, just for time. <clears throat> there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. And we we're talking about the three different bodies. And the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Okay, so... You have this star, is different from that star, is different from that star, is different from that star. And he said, it's just like that's the resurrection of the dead. And you're like, I don't understand. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. One of the sun, one of the moon, one of the stars. Sun, moon, stars. Who would be a type of the sun? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who would be a type of the moon? The bride. Who would be a type of the stars? The seven stars, the seven spirits in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her Eliezer's. I say that plural-wise. Because they're sent to be as an Eliezer speaking to you, wooing you to bring you back to him. Because this is how God at sundry times and divers manners spoke to his people through his prophet. Hebrews 1.1. That's the way God speaks. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. It's raised in corruption. It was sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown as weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. When that breath of God come into him, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. We have one exception made that he's a living soul. That's, that's what the scripture says. Known for the foundational world, predestinated, elected, called to be that before the foundational world. But this second Adam, this one that, that made a way, is a quickening spirit. Now you're talking about taking something that was dead and making it alive. Just to be blunt and, and plain as can be, he can take something that was dead and quicken it back to life. And you hath he quickened. You hath he quickened. He's been made a quickening, a quickening, a quickening. <clears throat> what a mighty God. Amen. My goodness, my goodness. In a quickening. 
Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Everybody clear? You understand who the second one is, the second Adam is? The Bible calls him that quite a bit. First man, second man, Adam. It is the Lord from heaven. Again, where did he come from? Not Galilee, not born in Nazareth. That's where the body was born, but he come from heaven. He said, I come from God, I go back to God. He said, they said, show us the Father. The Greeks come to him, the Philip, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. And he says this. You should be able to feel him right behind me. Have I been so long with me, you don't even know me? Wait a minute, you're saying that you're the Father. He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. They come to him and say, show us the Father, and it will suffice us. It will calm us down, we'll be happy, we'll accept that. If you'll just show us the Father. And he says, have I been so long with me, you don't even know me. As is the earthy, such are they also, such are they also that are earthy, and is the heavenly, as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, this is dust, this is dirt, you're looking at a pot of dirt, you're not looking at Sam Parker, you're looking at the tabernacle of dirt that God built for Sam Parker to walk around in. If, if my spirit leaves this body, if everything, if I could get a physical and everything checks out, heart, uh, lungs, liver, kidneys, you name all these things, everything is perfectly within parameters. But you take my spirit out of that body, there's no life in the body. Amen. See, that this tabernacle is given to you. And this is why the prophet would tell you that you're only worth back then as far as the, 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 all the elements that are in your body. Back then it was like 64 cents. If you take this amount of potash, you take this amount of calcium, all these things, and you add them all up at the, at the, the rate back then, it was 65 cents. Now it's like $3 with inflation. That's all you're worth. He said, but you'll take and put a, a $60 Stetson hat on it. You'll put a $500 suit on it. You'll put $100 shoes on it. Something that ain't worth nothing but a pile of dirt. And yet that spiritual body that you talk about the things you'll eat. You'll go to, so you got some people are very health conscious and they'll, they'll be very good about what they eat. Other people don't care. But he said, then you'll take your soul and you'll push anything in the world down that soul and expect it to survive. You'll put all kinds of nonsense and garbage and death in that soul and expect it to survive. See, Christ is a healer. Amen. Body, soul, and spirit. Christ is a healer. And that's mercy for our ignorance. Mercy for our ignorance. God has mercy. I thank you. I say thank the Lord. Born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That heavenly that is in you, made after his image. It was not the five foot nine, whatever the body of Adam. That was not the image of God. That was not the image of God. That was that beast form, that animal form, that tabernacle, that higher form of that creationism. When he said you're made after the image of God, God is a spirit. He told the woman at the well, she said, how be it? We have no place to even worship. We say worship in this mountain. You say we're going to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said, I say unto you, the true words, when they arise, they will worship God in spirit and truth because God is a spirit. So if you're made as the image of God, you're made as a spirit. That's this thing that's inside of you. It's what operates and runs this body. Everybody still with me? So as we born the image of the earthy, right here, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I was born in the right family. I'm, uh, what do they call it, the, um, what's that word? It's it's succession through lineage. What's that word called? Nepotism. Nepotism. Uh, Well, this and this and this and this. Well, my daddy was, or my granddaddy, or my great-granddaddy. 
No, it don't work like that. It's not through flesh. We have the same struggle with our children. And if you were in your flesh, you think, well, you are my seed. You are the literal seed of me. But if God don't save you, I can't save you. But God gives you mercy and that application of that token. And you can introduce them to the same one that you fell in love with. Come on now. Same one that you fell in love with. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. Tell us more, Paul. Tell us more. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Every one of us. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, just previous back in our same chapter, death is swallowed up in victory. He said the last enemy is death. Death is swallowed up in victory. See, Christ already took his rapture. The body of Christ already took his rapture. We just, we just quoted you from what Paul said. He was seen by all of them. He was seen by all of them. And then he went up in the sky. They saw him take his rapture. That he just disappeared. He said, but you will be, when you take a rapture, it'll bring about this saying, death is swallowed up in victory. So on the day that you take a rapture, that you take a translation where you're no longer here as what you were, it'll be said, death just got swallowed up in victory. He said that you've been made more than a conqueror. You've been made more than an overcomer. So not just saying, I'm going to overcome my tests and my trials and my, you know, that it can be one of the hardest tests of your life is to get along with those around you. You didn't notice that? It can be one of the hardest tests of your life to get around by those that you love. Come on now, everybody in here ain't perfect now. It can be one of the hardest tests to get around with the people that you love. It can be one of your hardest tests. And all those things will be overcome. They will be overcome. And the final victory is death. The final victory. It'll be this prophecy brought to pass, death was swallowed up. I love it. Death is swallowed up. And here's where Paul would say this. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is unbelief. Unbelief. Well, I don't know if he will change me. I don't know if I will take a rapture. The sting of death is sin. No, you understand, I will take a rapture. I will. The strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know we read this a lot, but in this this study on the the changing of our atoms, I I can't help but read this. I can't help but read this. Chapter 4, verse 12. That you may walk honestly. Toward them that are without. You've got to walk honestly. And that you may have lack of nothing. That you may have lack of nothing. You know, is it uh, is Philippians chapter 4 where he said, My God shall supply all my needs. Chapter 3. My God promised that he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It doesn't say according to his bankrupt notice that his overdraft statement according to his riches and glory. There is no searching of his understanding. There is no limit of his power. So if he needs more riches, he can make more riches. If he needs more worlds, he can make more worlds. But he promised that he'd bankrupt heaven to meet your needs. Bankrupt heaven. 
bankrupt heaven. He said that, that uh, um, where are we at? Back 12. That you might walk honestly toward them that are without, properly, honestly, uh, and that you may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And then, here's the reason why. You think Paul's just walking along one day and it's like, man, I should tell them about a rapture. Now nah, they'll figure it out. No, God moved upon him to write this, that we might read it, that we might see it and would learn it and believe it. Because someone will believe this. If nobody in this room takes a rapture or believes that this is still the truth. Amen. And if we don't, if this is still the truth and nothing but the truth. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brother. He's like, I want to teach you the order of the rapture. I want you to understand the way this works. I want you to understand the coming of the Lord. I want you to understand the purpose of the coming of the Lord. Most people don't understand the purpose of the coming of the Lord. They don't. Most people don't understand that there are three comings and not two comings. As far as significant comings. You understand? That it's not prophesied where you have, oh, he says this all the time. It's not prophesied where Abraham met Melchizedek. That was the coming of the Lord, right? That wasn't that God in human flesh. It was not prophesied where Elohim and the two angels walked up out of the desert and walked right up to him in the cool of the evening, sat in the door of the tent. That's not prophesied. It's not prophesied uh, the fourth man in the fire. It's not prophesied as the ball of fire that come in amongst Daniel and scare the lions. It's not prophesied to meet Paul upon the road to, on the, uh, Damascus. It's not prophesied. You understand what I'm saying? But the three significant comings of the Lord. The first time was to buy you. The th- second time is to get you. The third time is to show you off. Now, and we even shared that. We was talking to Brother Day about Revelation. I think it's chapter 13. That you've got to be watching that. That, that if you read Revelation chapter 13 without a revelation, you'll think that the war in heaven is yet to come. Because as you read through about the great dragon and the woman that's caught off in the wilderness, all those things, you've got to understand that it jumps back before, back to Genesis 1-1, then it comes back to then, then it goes back to then. You've got to pay attention to what it's doing. And that's why it's called a Revelation. It's not just a, well, I, I read the newspaper, I read, I can do not word to word to word. No, I see what his word says. Uh, Luke 10, 18, I beheld Satan fall to earth as lightning. Uh, in case you're wondering, Luke 10, 18 happens before John writes it in Revelation 13. So wait a minute now, I'm confused. Is it going to come forward in our day? No, it, it has happened. You've you got to read the Revelation. And as you see that, you see the order of the coming of the Lord. You see the order of the mystery, and you understand the purpose of that mystery. And redemption is two parts. The prophet taught us redemption is two parts. We just talked about getting into Christ, getting into Christ, a hidden life of Christ. You must come out of whatever you were in that was not Christ and come into Christ. Coming out of, going into. You know, I will knock at the door. When the light shines, I think it's that right there. You knock at the door. I stand at the door and knock. That was the, 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 the cry to the latest I stand at the door and knock. If any man come out unto me and will sup with me, leave what you're in, count it as draw, saying that's not worthy of the glory that will be revealed to me. Nothing is worthy to the glory that will be revealed in me because it's his glory that I had with him before the foundation of the world. Amen. You see where we're going? I got quiet. I know it's Wednesday night and I apologize, but you can go back and listen to the recording. So, verse, verse, uh, verse 13, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Will God bring with him? 
those which sleep. And we just covered all of that in, in 1 Corinthians 15. We've covered that in Romans 8. All those different things about the death, uh, the resurrection, the, 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 the change. It is a change because Job would say, when the skin worms have destroyed my body, when my skin worms that are already in my body, once they've destroyed my body, yet in my flesh I will see God. That's what the scripture says. He said that after the skin worms had destroyed this body, he knew he was going to go to sleep. He knew he would go back to dust. He knew that. Everybody understand? He said, yet in my flesh, I'll see God. He did not say, yet in my spirit, I'll see God. He said, in my flesh. He had a revelation of that body change. In my flesh, I will see God. He didn't say, oh, now I see God. He said, in my flesh, I will see him. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. You understand that? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is not the word of Paul. This is not the word of Peter, uh, of any of them. He said, this is him speaking. Him speaking. Him speaking. That we which are alive and remain. And that word remain could be substituted to survive. Who shall abide? The scripture won't say it like this. You can plug it into your, your Bible search. Who shall abide the day of his coming? Who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to survive against all the wiles of the devil? That second coming, there'll be such a, a demonic oppression in Satan's Eden. There's so much, so many extra demons poured out into the fight. So yes, it's hard. Not disputing that. Yes, you're not called to a picnic. Yes, if you think you're just going to lazily walk through life and call yourself a Christian and stay defeated... You just you got your, you got the wool pulled over your own eyes. He said, "This we say unto you by the word of the Lord: They which are alive and remain, that's going to be you by faith. They which are alive and remain, alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep." Those that have laid in the ground, those that have went back to dust, they shall all be changed. That's what we're getting to. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This is Revelation 10, 1 to 7, right here. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall arrive first. Then, then, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Ever be with the Lord. Ever, 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 always in Christ. No longer just alone, no longer by yourself, but always with Christ. And he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You take these words. This is your inheritance. This is your promise. This is what the word of the Lord says unto you. So be it. Be it unto me. Chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, there's many that say, well, I don't know. I didn't understand. I don't understand what you're about to say. He's telling you that if you read the book, you don't really need me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell it to you as a level of redundancy. The times and the seasons, the, the, the seasons, the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly, not just know, but you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. How do you 
uh, uh, work out that second coming, the thief in the night, with, with 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, verse 16. How do you work those two out? What? Four verses apart. How do you work those two out? He comes as the thief in the night, but the Lord himself shall descend. But he comes to the thief of the night. How many have ever been robbed and the thief texted or called beforehand and said, Hey, I'll be coming through later. La da 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 And everybody heard him. Nobody. Nobody. So how does that work? How does that work? That a, a thief in the night. He comes as a thief in the night. See, even in still, I can't remember the exact verse, but even as he's ascending, and the, the disciples are gazing into heaven. And those angels tell him, why, look, why are you gazing up in the way? Then why are you doing that? You don't know that the same way that he goes, the same way he comes back. You know he's talking to Jews? Wasn't a Gentile standing there? Not a Gentile standing there. The way that he comes. He said, yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come with as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety... Oh, everything's going good. It's all great. We got plenty of money. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's fussing. Nobody's fighting. Swift destruction. Sudden destruction comes upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. See, the, the Bible talks about those that are fitted for wrath, that are fitted for destruction. They're literally fitted for it. And you have all the times asking, how long till God will judge those? How long till he'll punish those that done wrong? And those that have done wrong say, what's he going to do? It ain't going to happen. It ain't happened yet. What's he going to do? You don't think they get belligerent about it? You don't think they get bold and brassy about it? He ain't going to do nothing to me. They shall not escape. So you go back to uh, in the book of Exodus. Pharaoh made his boast. Pharaoh made all of his armies. Pharaoh said all these different things. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. God said you let them go. He said no. So God said follow me. Follow me. About right here will do. Crush you up with the water. They did not escape. He come in under the assumption, I've almost got them. I've almost won. It's almost my time. It's almost my victory. He did not escape. You see the type? First Exodus versus your Exodus. You see the type? See, it's travail upon a woman with, with child and they shall not escape. But you brethren, you, you see, it's meant to be helpless. You get that, that statement? Those of you sisters that have been pregnant, imagine about to deliver. Maybe it went long past. Maybe miserable. Let's say it's summertime. And you're as miserable as miserable can be. You can't run real fast. You're not real agile. You ain't playing basketball with nobody. It's overtake you as a woman in travail with child. You're in pain. You're hurting. There's nothing. You're so vulnerable. Nothing you can do about it. You're getting the same thing with the verse? There's nothing they can do about it. Well, you know, if we'd have just walked this way, we could have bystepped the, you know, just sidestepped the destruction and sidestepped the judgment. They shall not escape. No escape. He, but you, brethren, but you, but you, this, I, I pray this is where you write your name in there, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness. How are you not in darkness? Isaiah 60 says that the, the whole world is covered in darkness. But for you, the light has come. The light has come. The light of this message has come as a revelation of this day for your hour. That's how you're not sitting in darkness. That's how you're sitting in the light. In an age that's groping in darkness. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. And you ought to scream out, praise the Lord. Praise 
I'm so thankful what God did in our day, sending the prophet, bring a message like this, and let me believe it. He let me believe it. I'm so grateful for that, that he let me believe him. I could be sitting here tonight as a make-believer, as an unbeliever, just to have a, the preaching the message, church telling you, I believe the prophet, but don't really believe it. No, I'm telling you, I believe it. If every one of you get up and walk out, I don't care, I believe it. I believe God sent this prophet. Amen. With all my heart. If I got to preach on a street corner in a, in a, a sewer washout, I don't care, I believe it. You are all, uh, but you, brother, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Overtake you as a thief. See, it went from being, he comes as a thief in the night, now he's telling you that as long as you're watching and waiting and looking, it won't overtake you as a thief because you know him. You know his voice. The sheep knows the shepherd's voice. That, 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 uh, I can't exactly where's the master you were, the, the, the marriage supper has come and the virgins are, you have your five wise, five foolish. That voice cries out. You have the others are now already busy with trying to get more oil. They miss his coming. The cry goes, Behold, the bridegroom come, go you out to meet him. So they did not let that day overtake them as a thief. They weren't going, did he come? I don't know if he come. You know, the scripture actually says that even after the rapture, after the coming of the Lord and the rapture, there'll be those that'll be sitting in a church, believing they're, they're, that the Lord is moving in the service, believing that the Holy Ghost is falling, believing that people are getting saved after the rapture, when mercy has been taken from the world, except for the Jews. You believe that? They'll be sitting in churches on this same planet after the rapture, after mercy is left, except for the Jews, and saying, oh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in my life. No. You believe that. But not to you. You won't be overtaken by that. He said, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now we're not just talking about dying and going by the way of the grave. He said, you keep your eyes open and you pay attention. You're not walking around what happened happens. No, what's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? Speak, Lord. What's next? What's next? What all do you have for me today, Lord? Open yourself to me today, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. I'm not distracted. I'm not looking away. Speak to me, Lord. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Not inebriated, not high, not uh, uh, you know, anything besides focused. Pressing toward that mark. Not distracted, but pressing toward that mark. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, not appointed us to wrath. Not appointed us to wrath. I was worthy of a lot of wrath. I was worthy of destruction. But he changed that for me. Amen. I'm not the only one. I know he changed that for you. Amen. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Even as also you do. And we beseech, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. That can be pretty hard sometimes. Not one of us to go to a church of perfect people. Each one of us have our own little hang-ups, our own little struggles. But be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all 
men and rejoice evermore. Have our musicians come tonight. Rejoice evermore. He's, he's walking through all the struggles that you'll go through in this life. You'll have disagreements. You'll have things you feuded against each other, but you let it go. You forgive one another. You love one another. You go back to bearing one another's burdens, and then you rejoice for it. Because those little tests are worth more than gold to you. Worth more than gold. Amen. Let's all stand on our feet tonight. Didn't get very far, but I pray that what God opened to your heart, that, 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 that it lifts you a little bit higher in Him. Um, do we have the song, Who I Am, in the book? Oh, glorious mystery. The day He set me free and He made my life His very throne. Do we have that song in there, Charity? Glorious mystery.
Word says about us. What promises, what mysteries, what joy that lies before us. Oh, we love you tonight, Lord. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for taking the time to let it be written down and all these wonderful things and these love secrets to your wife. Lord, thank you for protecting and keeping it safe all these years so that we might be born, have the opportunity to read it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Such redemption, such restoration. So unworthy, Lord. Love you so very much, Lord.